Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 9. It says, as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. You know, if you're born again, the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. You don't have to have gone to Bible school. You don't have to have heard preaching and teaching for years. You get born again. If you'll just yield to it, you'll love people. And that's what he said. He said, you know, uh, you don't need me to tell you about it. You already know about it. He said, you're taught of God to love one another. Indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech your brethren that you increase. More and more. Sometimes people say, well, you don't need to tell me about this. I know about it. Yeah, but could you increase in it? Certainly you could. Well, then we ought to be interested in increase. Increase in the love of God. One translation says, God himself has taught you to love one another. God himself. So we've been on this for some weeks, and I feel like we're nearing the end of this particular series. Now, not the end of teaching on love, because that's a directive that the Lord gave us as a church. Three things that I was to teach you on. The love of God, how to love God, how to love each other. The faith of God, how to live in faith, walk by faith, and how to be led by the Spirit. How many know if we grew tremendously in those three areas, we'd be a long ways down the road. If we walked in love all the time with everybody and walked in faith all the time about everything, and we're led by the Spirit from the time we got up to the time we went to bed. Whoo! Brother. Well, we'd be making headlines. God would be manifesting through us to the point it, others would take notice. It would be a tremendous witness. And so we're headed that way. I think we've come up from where we started. Don't you? It hadn't been that long. But uh, let's increase more and more. Us and our children. I'm excited about our children. I'm telling you. A lot of you didn't even think about believing God for something when you were three and four years old. And these guys are. They're doing it. Glory to God. If they just keep this up, where will they be when they're your age? The Lord tears is coming. In a better place. Higher place. Way on out beyond you, which is exactly what you want. He said, you are taught of God. And we've been believing God for week after week to teach us how to keep the commandment. John thirteen thirty four, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. How? As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he went on to say, by this all men would know that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. So more than anything else, this is what tells the world that God is real and that we are real Christians. It's not our talking in tongues. It's not our prosperity. 
It's not our miracles. It's not our healings. As great as all that is, what is it that causes the world around us to know that God is real and that we are really His? Our love for each other. Yes, our love for them, but our love for each other. You know, it's easier to walk in love with strangers than it is family. (laughs) Just look straight ahead now. Huh? If you can walk in love every day with people you live with, you can walk in love with anybody. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, sure, it's easy to walk in love and be wonderful and kind and, and patient and, and unselfish with somebody that you're seeing for 30 minutes. <laughs> and then you're gone. No, it's the folk you live with. It's one another. And he said, he didn't suggest it. He didn't say try to do it. He commanded us. I read one translation last night. It said, I demand. I demand that you love each other like I have loved you. It is a command. It's not a suggestion. And we want to do it. We want to keep the command. Don't we? We want to. He said, love one another how? As I have loved you. Go with me to 1 John, please. 1 John, the third chapter. Now, we've been on this for weeks. And we've talked about how how do we keep this love command? How do we do it? And God himself has been teaching us from his word and by his spirit. We saw love prefers. We saw love does no harm to anybody around. Love covers and doesn't remember and remind and bring up sin. Love takes care of. We saw love edifies. Love gives. Love seeks another's good. Love's going to do what's best for you. Love rejoices. Remember, he talked about in this passage, if you would do this, if you would keep this commandment, his joy would be in us and our joy would be full. The devil has told people, if you really walk in love all the time, you're going to be miserable because you're never going to get what you want. You're going to always have to be, you know, deferring to somebody else and taking care of them and you're just going to be unhappy. It's a lie. Walking in love is the key to fulfillment of joy. Has anybody ever been used of God to meet somebody else's need? Huh? Has anybody, you know, ever, you know, maybe sacrificed or put yourself aside or delayed something that you wanted to do in order to obey God and help somebody else's dream come true? Did it depress you as they shouted how God was blessing them? No. No, it's one of the funnest things you'll do in life. And the more God blesses you with ability to do this, the more fun it gets. Love rejoices. Love shows mercy. And last week we talked about love never ends. People talk about, well, you know, I, my love just went away. It just quit. I, I lost it. No, no, you left it. You let it wax cold. But the real love of God cannot die. Cannot end. Never fails. 
And even if something's faded, it can be fanned back into a flame. Yes, it can. It can be rekindled. It can be bigger and stronger than it ever was. Say it out loud. The real love cannot die. Never ends. Now, we talked about that last week. But let's go on today. 1 John 3. How to walk in love. How to keep the commandment God's teaching us. 1 John 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we what? The love of God. He said, we see the love of God in this. We perceive it. So we're about to get taught some more by the Lord this morning. We perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, and that'll make us sad. But you see how that's connected. You see why I said that, didn't you? Because when you hear lay down your life, immediately your flesh thinks, oh, that's going to be rough. And in fact, most people don't do this, and hardly anybody does this, but we know it's a good thought. No. No, he's not just talking about physically dying. That'd be easier. (laughs) Just boom and you're out of here. No, no, we're talking about laying down a part of your life again and again on a daily basis. We don't need another sacrifice for sin. Jesus has done that and it's done. Side, you don't qualify for that. I don't qualify for that. But since he laid down his life for us, and that's how we see the love of God. We perceive the love of God. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. Keep reading. Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? Now he starts directly from there talking about giving. Doesn't he? Somebody say giving. 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 There's nothing more characteristic of God than giving. The chief manifestation, the chief expression of love is giving. I didn't think that up. The Lord spoke that to me decades ago. I was in a time of prayer waiting on him, and he said that to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, he said, the chief expression, the greatest expression of love is giving. And when I heard that, I thought, can that be right? Is that right? And then as I was laying there, because, you know, I thought, well, if somebody hear me say that, and they'll say, yeah, well, that's that prosperity-believing preacher. He would say that. And I'm laying there thinking, and as I'm thinking, the scripture rose up to my mind with force. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. So how could you dispute that? The greatest expression of love is what? Giving. But now when we talk about giving, we should not automatically limit it to money. Giving money is just one small part of giving. There are much more important things to be given than money. 
But yet still giving is the greatest expression, the chief expression of love. So if God's teaching us how to love, what is he teaching us? He's teaching us how to give. And we are a given bunch. Oh, we're a given bunch. We're a given bunch. We give on Sunday, but we give on Tuesday afternoon too. We give when we're at home and when we're not at home. We give to people we know and people we don't know. Right? We are givers. Yeah, we are. And we're getting more so. Because God's given us more to give. We're increasing in what we're able to give. And our willingness to give is there. You know, Paul said about the Corinthians, he said, uh, talking to them about individuals that had given, he, he's trying to encourage them actually by another people's giving. He said they were willing to give beyond themselves. They wanted to give more than what they had. Well, that's a good heart, isn't it? A willingness to give beyond your ability. Well, that's the kind of people God increases their ability to give. Now, notice this. He said, how dwells the love of God in you? You've got ability and you're able to do it and you see it and you choose not to out of selfishness. You're not a giver. Then the love of God's not dwelling in you. Verse 18 is what I want you to notice in particular. My little children. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Can you say amen? Amen. He said, let us not just love in what we say, our words, and in our tongue, our talk, but in deed... And in truth, another translation says, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. You know, there's so many times that people, especially when they've been caught (laughs) doing something they shouldn't be doing, they keep saying, I love you, I love you. No, really, I love you. And yet their actions are screaming, I don't. Like one fellow said about another particular situation, he said, uh, your actions are talking so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. (laughs) Uh, Right? I love you, but I'm hurting you. Hmm? No, no. Not just love. And so many times people think if they open their mouth and say, I love you, that's it. They've done it. No, no. It's okay to tell people you love them. That's good. That's fine. But there needs to be more action than there is talk. And what action did he just get through talking about? The action of giving. The action of giving. Well, I see we're all having fun this morning again. We're all excited about this, aren't we? Can you stay hooked with me just a little bit longer here this morning? Can the Lord commanded us to do something. You want to do it, don't you? I, how many believe it's the key to a happy life, a full of joy life? And it's key to our families staying together, our kids growing up right. 
missing, avoiding all the pitfalls that so many people are destroyed by. There's a reason why he told us to keep this command. It's beyond what we understand. How many areas it protects us in. How many areas it guards us, safeguards us, helps us. If I love you like he told me to, and you love me like he told you to, we're going to keep the devil out. The door's going to stay closed. He's not going to be given the opportunities that other people that are yielding to the flesh, yielding to selfishness, are giving him. The Lord knew what he was doing. When among all the other things he could have told us and given us as the New Testament commandment, this is the one he chose and said, I command you to do this. Why? He's always looking out for our good. You keeping the command of love is going to ensure that you are protected and that you are blessed. You. You. So we're going to do it. Look at this again. Let us not love in what just in word or in tongue, but indeed in truth. The English version says love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love which shows itself in action. So how do we keep the love command? Well, we don't just talk it. We do it. Action. Somebody say action. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. Action. Not just talking love, showing love, demonstrating love, acting. Now you can't meet everybody's needs. You are not the provider. And you don't need to be led by somebody pulling on you. So how do I apply this? Very simple. Led by the Spirit. He makes something known to you and prompts you to do it. You don't just talk a good talk. Now it's time to act. He makes something known to you and puts it within the power of your hand to do something about it. You know it. Don't you? You know it. When God's dealing with you and prompting you. How many know when that comes up like that and you've checked your heart and you know it's right, it's time to quit talking and do it. Do it. Take care of it. And enjoy it while you're doing it. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. You know, I'm moving too quick. You got 2 Corinthians 8? Hold that. Go back to 1 John. 1 John 4. Hold your place for 2 Corinthians 8 so we can just turn right there. Chapter 3 said, don't just love in word, but in deed and truth, action. Look at verse 4. Did Jesus do that? Did he just love in talk or did he love in action? No question about it. And the reason I'm saying this is because he told us to love how? As he has loved. How did he love us and how does he love us? He doesn't just yell from heaven every day, don't forget. (laughs) I love you. Well, no, he'll tell you that he loves you. But even more importantly, how many know he proved it? 
He proved it beyond any shadow of a question or doubt. And he still proves it. Every day. First John. The fourth chapter. And the ninth verse. In this was manifested. The love of God toward us. The love of God was demonstrated toward us. Because God sent. He did something. He sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent. His son. Didn't just love us and say something. He loved us and sent. Sent his son. To be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved if God so loved us. We ought also to love one another. God so loved us. That he did something. We love each other. What will we do? We'll do something. Hmm? Won't just talk. We'll do. He, God has proven his love for us. Romans 5, 8, don't turn there, but Romans 5, 8 in the NIV says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you do something for people that don't like you? That have spoken against you? That have hurt you? Can you do something for them? An act of love. Somebody say acts of love. Oh, we're getting somewhere now. Acts of love. We talked about this last week. Love is not what so many people refer to when they call love. They they love pizza. They love their car. They love this movie. They love that. And I love you. I need you. You know, I love you. Tell me your name. (laughs) How can you love? What do you mean you love them? You don't even know them. What are they calling love? They're calling desire. I desire you. They think desire is love. No. Love is a decision, a choice to act. By faith. Somebody say a choice. By faith. You choose to do it. And you do it by faith. And you can feel completely the opposite. While you're doing it. We've learned how to walk by faith. Concerning the healing of our bodies. We know if we've got symptoms. We don't just lay down and go well I'm sick. I feel sick. I look sick. They said I'm sick. I'm sick. We've learned to resist it and go, no, I call my body healed in the name of Jesus. And talk healed and think healed and act healed. We've learned with our finances. Just because you got bills and the money's not there, you don't go, well, I'm poor. That's it. I'm poor. Look poor, feel poor. They say I'm poor. I'm poor. We've learned that the Bible said, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that through his poverty you might be rich. 
He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He supplies all our needs so we're able to look at the needs, look at the bills, look at the lack and go, no, I call every need met. I call every bill paid. I'm rich in Jesus. I'm rich. I'm rich. And he can resist those symptoms just like you would physical symptoms. Well, we need to do the same thing with symptoms of selfishness. Symptoms of self-centeredness. Symptoms of holding a grudge and unforgiveness. Even though you feel hard towards someone, you can choose to do an act of love. And that's keeping the commandment. You don't have to feel warm and fuzzy toward everybody to keep the commandment. In fact, you're walking in love the strongest when you don't feel that way. You feel like backhanding them yes. <laughs> and telling them what to do. You feel like going behind their back and doing to them what they did to you. You feel like jerking the rug out from under them, hurting them, saying, hey, now what does that feel like? Give you a taste of your own medicine. You feel like doing that. The enemy can bring plans to you of how to do it. But you can say, no, I am commanded. I am commanded of the master to love them. I don't feel like it. Don't even want to from my flesh. But I choose to. I choose to love them. See, not feel warm and fuzzy. To love them. What's love? Love is an act. A choice to act in faith for their good. For their betterment. And how many have found that if practice this some, if you keep doing that, your feelings will change. Your feelings will change. But it can't just be talk. It's got to be action. Did you find 2 Corinthians 8 then? Has the Lord proven to us his love? That's what we saw. In this, the love of God has been manifested, has been demonstrated while we were sinners, while we were his enemies. He acted in love toward us. God gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave of himself. Proved it. Proved it. And how many know he ever lives today to make intercession for us? At the right hand of majesty on high, he's proving to us every day that he loves us. Proving to us. Proving to us. It's not just talk. And he commanded us to love each other the way, that way. The way he loves us, which is in deed and in truth. Second Corinthians 8. You'll see this. And do anybody know what this 8th chapter and ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians is talking about? It's talking about offerings. Talking about giving. Isn't it? Now I want you to notice what he said though. 2 Corinthians the 8th chapter and the 8th verse. He's talking about an offering. And he says, I speak not by commandment. But by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. 
Then he talks about what I just quoted, how Jesus proved his love for us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Does Jesus love us? Did he prove it? Did he empty himself? Did he sacrifice of himself? So we could be rich. That's what it says, isn't it? He laid aside his mighty power and weight and glory and became like other men. At the end, they took away his clothes. I mean, he did not have to suffer these indignities for any mistakes of his own. He allowed himself to be stripped. He allowed himself to be made poor. So what? So we we wouldn't have to live in the ditch, groveling and, you know, begging somebody. So we would not have to be naked and unfed. Oh, glory to God. He offered his spirit for our spirit, his soul for our soul, his body for our body. He offered up his own riches. How many understand he was as rich as anybody could be in heaven and he left it and came and was born in a barn, in a trough. Come on now. Why? So we could be rich. People say, yeah, but now Brother Keith, that's talking about rich when you get to heaven. And why are you adding to the scripture? He's talking about an offering. He's talking about material things and he brings it up. People need to watch. Taking away from the scriptures. And adding, well, it means this. Well, if it didn't say it, why don't you quit saying it? Say what it says. No, it includes all of it. Jesus obtained a complete redemption for us. Didn't he? Spirit, soul. Mind, body, finances, present, future. Somebody say, I'm saved. And when you said, I'm saved, you said a mouthful. Saved from what? Well, whatever you need to be saved from. Saved from sin, saved from hell, saved from sickness, saved from poverty, saved from mental anguish. Saved. Saved. If you've done any study, you know the Greek word that's translated salvation is a big word. Includes preservation, deliverance, protection, prosperity, healing. Say it again. I'm saved. I've been saved. I am saved. It's kind of like when God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. He said, who will I say has sent me? He said, you tell them I am. (laughs) You am what? (laughs) Well, he am too big to say it in one sentence. (laughs) He am fill in the blank. Right? He is the eternal self-existent one. I mean, what is he? He's everything. And you're saved. Saved from what? Well, fill in the blank. He's saved from everything bad and saved for everything good. Say it again. I'm saved. I'm saved. 
I'm saved. Glory to God. Been saved. God has saved me. Notice in verse 8, that last phrase. What did he say? Last sentence. To prove the sincerity of your love. Is he saying prove it? In connection with what? Giving. Well, some folk are not sure about it. Back up to the first verse. (laughs) Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That'd be the Philippians and different ones. Thessalonians, Bereans. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, the deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Is he talking about material things? Yes, he is. They were poor. They lacked, but they gave liberally anyway. Can you give liberally even though financially you're poor? Yes, you can. Should you give if financially you're poor? Yes, you should. And it's how you get out of being poor. It's how you come out. He said, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. you got to remember the church is still young at this point. How long have they been hearing the word? Not that long. But they're growing. They're coming out. Praying us with much entreaty, we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This they did not as we hoped first, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Insomuch we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. He's stirring them up. He's saying, these guys, let me tell you, the church over at Philippi. And the Thessalonians and the Bereans, I'm telling you, you talk about an offering. They put together an offering. That's what he's telling them, isn't he? He's telling the saints at Corinth what the saints at Philippi and other ones did. Why? Wanting to stir them up. And then he said, now you guys been talking about this a year ago. (laughs) Now prove. The sincerity of your love. Prove your love. Now see, a lot of folk wouldn't like that today, would they? You're receiving an offering, and you say, prove your love. See, people, they don't like that, do they? We don't like the sound of that. Like, oh no, now that's, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. That's not right. I told you I loved you. And that's the main thing. Apparently not. The devil hates giving. Oh, he hates it. That's why I have wondered. I have caught, Phyllis and I have caught more flack over prosperity and talking about giving than any other thing. Ugly letters. But people meet me out in the parking lot, act like they want to take a swing at me because I kept using the word rich. Made them mad. It actually has puzzled me at times. Why would people care? If they, if they don't even go to church here. They got no money in this. And yet. Get so mad. You think they're going to have a stroke right there. <laughs> have you seen people like this? Get so. I mean they got no money in it. It's not costing them anything. But they get so mad. Why? It's supernatural. I said it's supernatural. The devil's behind it. He is inspiring them 
And working on it. Why? He hates giving because he hates love. And what is the chief manifestation of love? Giving. Can you see it? Are you putting it together now? And what draws people to God? What draws people to repentance and to change? Contrary to popular belief, it's not uh, garage sales or, or chicken fries. or And it's certainly not begging. What is it? It's the goodness. Oh, come on. The goodness of God leads people to change, to repentance, to come to God. And the devil does not want people to see you prospered and enriched. He does not want other people to see sowing and reaping working in your life. And God raising you up out of the dung heap and setting you with princes. Because when people see how good that God heal you and get you out of debt. And pay off all your bills. And make you able to help others and bless them. And restore your marriage. And help your kids to grow up right and not go crazy. And people see the goodness of God in your family. Are you kidding? They want that. They want that. But God's been lied about. And a bleak, barren, broke, sick life has been portrayed to the world as real Christianity. Just suffer and bear your cross like a man and... The goodness of God. He said, you've been talking about it. Now prove it. Hmm? Prove it. <laughs> keep, keep down to the uh, end of the chapter. Verse 24. Well, let me, uh, let me keep reading. I didn't finish up. We read verse 9. Verse 10. Verse 8 had said, prove the sincerity of your love. Verse 10, I give my advice. This is expedient for you who have begun there not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He said, you were talking about this. You were willing a year ago. Now, therefore, what? Perform the doing of it. As there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Performance. Somebody said performance. Do. We're not just talkers. We're not just hearers only. What are we? We're doers of the word. And the chief word of God to us is the word about love. And we are doers of the love commandment. Doers. Keep reading. Skip down to verse 24. Wherefore, show you to them. Are you with me? 824, show you to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. He said, I've been bragging on you too. I'm the one that told them you were ready to sow a big offering a year ago. And when they heard that, they all got stirred up and sold a big offering. He said, now you better get on it. Because they already got theirs in. And now prove it. You've done a lot of good talk. Prove it. Prove it. Somebody say prove it. Prove it. Now don't get concerned. We're not about to take up another offering. <laughs> don't, don't get concerned. 
And this is not just about proving something come offering time. This is every day. With everybody. Family. Neighbors. God. But see, people don't like that, do they? I said, people don't like that. Prove you love. Unless it's you proven to me. Yeah, Brother Keith, that's right. I've been telling them. They're not proving that they love me. And I'm going to get this tape for them. I'm going to tell them it's what I told you. Prove to me that you love No. No. That it's not your job to judge them as to whether they're proving their love to you or not. What job is yours? Your job is to prove that you love them. And leave the other part between them and God. You prove it. You prove it. But it's not enough just to talk a good talk. Prove it. He said prove the sincerity of your love. Prove it. And he's talking about giving. But here's another thing. Back up to the second chapter. This is the chief manifestation of love is giving. But this goes right along with it. Second chapter, Second Corinthians 2. Now, there was a man, if you remember from First Corinthians, who was living with his father's wife, but in his stepmother. They, uh, and these are people in the church, first church at Corinth. And they had prayed about it, obviously, and felt like that they were meant to be together. And most people didn't understand it, but there were some spiritual things that were just not obvious to most folks. And that that first marriage with his dad was a mistake. (laughs) And after much prayer... And waiting on the Lord, and of course, with each other. They felt like it was all right. Because she, you know, she really didn't love him. And they loved each other. And they're coming to church. Now, the reason I say this is because we need to understand the context of it. They're in the church. I don't know if they're singing in the choir. I don't know if they're doing something else, but they're in the church. And these guys had heard Paul preach about grace and decided, well, you know, we don't want to judge them. And they're just letting it go. And he said, no, you got to do something about this. And so he told them what to do. And they put them out. Somebody say, put them out. (laughs) Did you know that's love? Four people did. Did you know the Bible told you, the New Testament told you, not to eat and fellowship with Christians that live like this? Did you know that? Now, not sinners. We're talking about Christians, people that purport to be living for God, that live like this. He said, don't fellowship with them. Why? So they can see the difference. People do not need to be allowed to bump along and pretend like everything's okay and like they're okay with God doing this. 
People need an awakening. They need to realize, where's my friends? I'm not doing what I was doing in the church. I'm on the outside looking in. And realize that they're that way with God. Well, some folk are not liking this. but No, it's not love to contribute to somebody's fantasy. That they're okay with God when they're going down the path of destruction. That's not love. Is it? You love them, but love will do what's best for you. Not just what you want. And people in sin want you to play along with them. And ignore it. And act like it's okay. And it's not. Now we're not to judge or how could you and and come down. Because except for the grace of God, you could be in the same boat. Except for the grace and mercy of God. But it'd be wrong for you too. Are you with me now? He said, and they did it. When he wrote them and he told them, apparently they came down on them. They put them out of their positions. They quit fellowshipping with them. Now, I know a lot of folk don't like that, but I'm quoting Bible. I'm quoting scriptures. Allow yourself to be renewed to the Bible. Your version of Christianity is not what goes. Right? It's what the Bible said. Now he's writing to them saying something else. Chapter 2. He said, verse 3, I wrote this same to you, lest when I should come, I'd have sorrow from them who ought to rejoice. Verse 4, out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. See, it didn't please him to tell them that, that they needed to do that. Not that we sh- you should be grieved, but that you might know the love that I have more abundantly to you. How many know people that really love you will do the hard thing? Even if it makes you mad at them. They'll do it. Even if you want to run off and leave them and, and you want to talk about them, they'll still do it. They'll love you. And tell you the truth. He went on to say, if I've caused grief, he said that you might know the love which I have more abundantly towards you. Did he prove his love to them by doing the hard thing? By calling sin, sin? And saying, no, they can't stay in the choir. No, they can't keep doing this. No, you can't treat them like everything's okay. Was that love? He said, I wrote that letter with tears. Hurt me to write it. But I did it not to, you know, come out and lash out at them. I did it to prove to you that I love you. We need more of this, don't we? If I've caused grief, he's not grieved me, but if any has caused grief, rather, he's not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. Now, he's telling them it's enough. What y'all have done is enough. Because, I mean, apparently they cut them off hard. They pulled them out of everything. They dropped them. And they're on the outside looking in. And he said, it's enough. Verse 7, so that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. 
Wherefore I beseech you that you would what? Confirm your love toward him. Does this sound similar to the other? Confirm it. Prove it. By what? By forgiving. Somebody say forgiving. Forgiving and restoring and comforting. Two of the greatest ways we will ever see and know how to keep this love commandment we're talking about today. Give and forgive. Are you with me? And it is not just in talk. Is it? He said it was necessary. What happened was necessary. They were in deception up to their eyes. They kept going that way. They could have been totally destroyed. You know, the Bible talks about people being turned over to the enemy for the destruction of the flesh so that their spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. What do you mean? Flesh destroyed? Yeah, people can forfeit things in this life, but if they get back to God, it sure beats being lost. Doesn't it? It's not God's best, but it sure beats being lost. And thank God for the mercy of God. People are deceived. Their lifestyles and what they're doing, they're deceived and they're deceiving themselves. And the sad thing is, they keep going church to church till they'll find some bunch that'll tell them it's okay. Are y'all with me? And that's not love. I said, that's not love. They want to keep them because they don't want to lose their members. They don't want to lose their financial support. They don't want to lose. But that's not loving them. Love will tell you the truth. Love will put you out. I said love will put you out. In hopes that you'll come to your senses. You'll come to yourself. But how many know love is always wanting to restore you? Love is always wanting you to get straight and to prove yourself. And then so we can use you again. So we can put you back in somewhere. Love wants to. And that's what he said. Apparently, the people had repented. And so Paul is writing to them now saying, what you guys did concerning them is sufficient. And I want you to back off of that now. And I want you to restore them. And I want you to forgive them. And I want you to comfort them. Yeah, but they've been doing this. Yeah, but God loves them. And if they've repented... If they've repented and God's forgiven them, then don't you keep bringing it up and thinking about it. And he's, then he goes on to say, confirm your love. Prove it. Prove it. Confirm it. Demonstrate it. Can you say amen? How do we prove our love? We looked at two things in the scriptures today. How do we do it? Give and forgive. In doing these things continually, we are proving our love. We're demonstrating it. We're not just words only. We're keeping the command. Thank you, Stand on your feet, please. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Put up 2 Corinthians 5.14 on the screen, please. 2 Corinthians 5.14. I'm going to read this in the NAS. It said, the love of Christ 
controls us. The King James said what? Constrains us. Say that out loud. The love of Christ Christ constrains me. me. Another translation says compels me. Actually, the literal definition is to hold, to hold together or to hold back or to arrest. It has more than one meaning. It's a rich word. And can you see it? When you feel like we've talked about it already, you feel like lashing out. You feel like holding back and just leaving people off of your list as you thought in your mind. The love of Christ will compel you. To override your feelings. Won't it? You start to do something that's mean and harsh. The love of Christ will hold you. Arrest you. Keep you from doing that. Can you say amen? Amen. Say I got the love of Christ. The love of the anointed one. Inside me. Shared abroad. In my heart. The love of God. Constrains me. The love of God arrests me, holds me, holds me back from wrong. The love of God compels me, impels me to do good. I don't just talk love, I act love. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Father, we worship you so much today. You have been so good to us. You have loved us. You have proved your love to us. Beyond any question, beyond any doubt, you have proven to us, proven to us that you love us. And by the grace of God, as you help us, we're going to prove that we love you. We're going to demonstrate And prove that love to others. Hallelujah. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.